the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Greetings. It's meeting time. Folks, I have been waiting for this Sunday because with us today, we have a special guest. And his name is Pastor Jeff Sippus. He's the founder of James 516 Project in Harmony Life Center in Washington, PA. Pastor Jeff, welcome. Thank you, Terry. How you doing today? I'm doing great. Awesome. Thanks for being with us. My pleasure. My pleasure. Listen, I want to address James 516 Project and the Harmony Life Center, but let's hold that off because Certainly. I want to start from the beginning. Okay. Look, there's a virus out there, the coronavirus. Millions are being infected. Almost 200,000 have died. But you know what, Pastor? We know there's another virus out there. And that virus has infected and diseased millions of people, and far too many have died from it. And you and I have had this virus. But today, we are healed. We are in recovery. We found the vaccine. That virus is called addiction. Amen. Absolutely. We both have had that, haven't we? We have. Well, tell these people, encourage these people, tell them your story. Start from the beginning. Wow, from the very beginning. Um, So first off, I'm a Pittsburgh kid, uh, born and raised in West Mifflin, Pennsylvania. Uh, My parents uh, brought me and my sisters up on a a street called Bellwood Drive. Beautiful neighborhood, about 50 houses. We're talking in the late 60s, early 70s. Two and a half kids, I think, at every household. So there's like 150 kids. We're all brothers and sisters upper middle class neighborhood, uh, thought it was the most beautiful place in the world to grow up in. And about seven, eight years of age, middle of the night, I wake up to my parents fighting and it was not fun. It was, it was scary. And it's, it continued. There was a lot of fighting in my house and it had to stem around drinking. Both of my parents would drink. My mom had an addiction issue, which I inherited from the family. Uh, but they would fight. And what I would do, I'd go into my bedroom and I would get underneath my covers and rock myself to sleep and, and just kind of cringe up in a ball. When I was about eight or nine years of age, I discovered this tap that we had downstairs. My dad would have, uh, my mom and dad would have a keg in a refrigerator. So I would sneak downstairs and take a sip off of the tap every night. And I found that if I did that, I didn't need to rock myself to sleep. So at eight, nine years of age, I started drinking on a daily basis. And my family, um, it was embarrassing growing up, to be quite honest. And I had this neighbor next door, Mrs. John. She was this lovely Christian woman. And she would uh, come over and pray with all the kids on the playground and, and hand out popsicles and say nice things. But she would always come up to me and say, look, you know, God has special plans for you. He has special plans for you. He loves you. And he, she would tell me this. And I didn't fully understand what it meant. But I just filed that away in the back of my mind. Um as I got older, 10 years of age, I started smoking pot. 12, 13, I started uh, using amphetamine, speed. By the time I was um, 13, I was using drugs and drinking on a daily basis. 
I had an aunt, Jen, another lovely Christian woman who would come and visit, and she would come up to me and pull me aside and tell me that God loves you. He has special plans for you. And I'm thinking, this is the same thing Mrs. John used to say. Wow. But she would tell me, you're going to be a pastor one day. And she told me that God had this vision that I was going to be a pastor one day. And I thought she was nuts, honestly. I, I didn't fully understand what any of this meant. But she was really prophesied. She was, yeah. Later on, that came to be true. And, bef- you know, my aunt right now has Alzheimer's, and, and she's in end stages of life. But I got a chance to talk to her about how that all came true. And, you know, it was a blessing to see if, a smile on her face. Amen. Um, Amen. But back then... By the time I was 16, I started dabbling in cocaine, and I was really involved with drinking and drugs all the way through. In 21, I started working at a bar, and that's all I did was drinking drugs and uh, and alcohol. Um, I knew at 22 that if I stayed in Pittsburgh, I was going to die. I just knew that for a fact. And I had some friends that had left. We're talking late 80s, so the steel mills had shut down. There weren't a lot of opportunities back here. I was in college, but I was struggling through college, and um, I moved to Southern California, and that's what I did. I had some friends out there, and I moved out to Southern California, and immediately when I got out there, I got a DUI, and I thought for sure that if I had another DUI or something bad happened, I'm going to have to move back to Pittsburgh. My life's going to be over, so I quit drinking for a while, and I tried to stay clean. I didn't do any drugs, and my life was okay, but I was bored, so I started drinking and staying at home. And that's when my drinking really took off. You mean you were isolating? I was isolating, yeah. That's part of the addiction, isn't it? exactly part of the addiction. So I would find myself drinking and staying at home. Eventually, I met this girl named Tina. She was a Christian girl. And um, her family, and when I talk about Christian girl, her family would hold church in their front yard. And they would invite the neighborhood, which I thought was weird. And when we would go out to dinner, they would stand around the table with the restaurant. Everybody would hold hands and we would have to pray. And I'm thinking to myself, I've stepped into some weird world. Didn't fully understand this Christian stuff. I grew up Catholic in Pittsburgh. and um, But I, I love this girl, and they love me. In fact, they bought me my first Bible. And, you know, I used that Bible as a coaster for my whiskey glass. Wow. That's what I used it for. Um, we step on God in this addiction. Absolutely, absolutely. And so I, I was at a point where I was completely out of control. And her family basically told her, "You're going to have to let him go." So we broke up, and I was devastated. I didn't know what to do, so I started cracking that coaster that I had and started reading it. Now, keep in mind. She had introduced me to a church out there called Yorba Linda French Church. I was going there. I was really enjoying the church. Um, so after we broke up, I went back to that church thinking, what I need to do is find me another good Christian girl, right? Exactly. <laughs> I didn't need anything but another good Christian girl. So I went back to this we church. We didn't need Jesus. We needed a Christian girl. That's exactly what I thought, right. And can you imagine me showing up to date your daughter? <laughs> I was a complete mess. Um, Not today. Not today. That's true. At the time, though, I, I went back to this Bible study looking for their singles group, and they were off somewhere. I think God had protected them, right? I had um, I went out there, and I ended up going to a group that was a men's Bible study. And this guy, Jim Puklovitz, came up to me, introduced himself to me, and started saying, Hey, um, I'm from back east. I, I don't know you, but I feel like I want to tell you my story. He starts telling me about he was a drug addict, an alcoholic, and that he had to leave back east because he was afraid that if he didn't, he was going to die. So he ends up in Southern California, and his drinking continued, and then he started going to church, and his life so much better. And he's telling me this with a smile. 
And basically what he's doing, he's telling my story. He's confessing his sins to me, and it was so attractive that I decided I wanted to come back to this Bible study. And I did that every single week I was involved, but sometimes I'd show up drunk, to be honest with you. I was completely a mess. And these guys, I felt comfortable with them, and I opened up and shared with them I had a drinking problem. I I just have to throw this out there. I don't mean to interrupt you. But when you said you showed up drunk, what came into my mind was God meets us right where we are. And that's what he did. He met me right where we are, right where I was at the time. So I'm now in this Bible study, and I'm confessing this. These guys are praying for me. I ended up going to a crusade with one of them, this place uh, at Anaheim Stadium. This this pastor, Greg Laurie, um, gives this Harvest Crusade every year. July 4th, 1996, I give my life to Christ. Down on the field, public display. I At that point in time, I accept Christ as my Savior. Mm-hmm. And I ask him to come in and cleanse me mm-hmm. and, and make me into a new man and just rip my world into two, mold me into something new. Didn't fully understand what that was, but I left and still continued drinking, but still was going to Bible study. And one night, November four, November 24th, 1996, I ended up getting a DUI. And how that happened, I was at my house running out of alcohol, needing more alcohol, and I started praying, asking God to help me. And God said, you know what, Jeff? You've always wanted to do it your way. We've got to take all the conditions off. You have to totally surrender your will to me. And I did. Sounds like first step. Yeah, exactly the first step. And that night, I ended up getting uh, pulled over by a police officer, and I kept thinking, God, not like this. Please, not like this. Yeah. But I go back to Bible study, and as I do, these guys are telling me um, that they had prayed something like this would happen. And I got my life together. And after that, my life changed drastically, and almost immediately my life began to change. I was listening to Christian radio stations. There's a station out there just like this one, KKLA, and uh, I would listen to these pastors out there all the time. I would listen to Greg Laurie and Chuck Smith, John MacArthur, Chuck Swindoll, um, Jay Vernon McGee. They're on on this radio station as well. I became immersed listening to these guys in the Bible studies and listening to these men, and that was all I did. And uh, I went to recovery meetings. My life changed. I ended up meeting this beautiful blonde California beach girl, get married. We have kids. My life changed drastically with my job where I ended up becoming um, a VP at my bank that I worked at, started a mortgage company with some people and ended up having 200 employees. Life was great. House on the beach, all this great stuff. Um, So what ended up happening, I became too comfortable. And I started to believe this lie that maybe I did this on my own. This wasn't Christ that did this for me. And I stopped going to church. I stopped going to meetings. Self, self, self. Self, self, self. And after 11 years of being in recovery, I ended up picking up a drink and everything changed. And I got to tell you this, before I did this, I had prayed to God at one point in time when things were going so great that I said, God, if I ever forget you, if I ever drink again, I want you to take away everything that you've given me but I want you to spare my life. And when I took that drink, within a matter of days, it was like I lit a match to everything. I lost everything. Everything. My wife, my kids, my family, my homes, the company, everything was gone. And within a matter of a few months, I was at a point where everything was in foreclosure and I had a shotgun, not a shotgun, but a handgun. I was going to kill myself. And um, one of my friends from recovery and one of my friends from Christian from the Christian circles, came to my house and prayed with me. 
and convinced me that I needed to get into recovery. And that's what they did. They helped me get into recovery at that time. Let me ask you a question. Sure. How long were you recovered before this relapse? 11 years. 11 years. 11 years. And then you took everything for granted. It was about nine years I took it for granted. And within two years after that, I lost it all. Well, you asked him to take it. Oh, yeah. And he answered your prayer. And he did. But he's answering your prayer today, isn't he? God, there's so much more to this story. So much more. Well, you know what? We're running out of time. (laughs) And you have me on the edge of my seat, okay? And there's listeners that want to hear the rest of your story. Would you please come back next week? I'd be happy to. Absolutely. Amen. Folks, you better come back next week. You better tell your friends and family, we're going to be here with Pastor Jeff Sippus, and he's going to tell us what this vaccine of healing is all about. Amen.